Hey everybody, this is Eric Krasno and you are listening to the Plus One Podcast. This is episode 19 and it's hard to believe we've done 19 episodes already. We just started doing this podcast in April and it's just been an amazing experience for me. Um, Not being able to do shows and not being able to tour has been hard on me and so many others. But uh, this has really just been a great way to connect with everybody, hearing from all these different musicians on not only how they're coping with COVID and with the lockdown, but how they're turning it into other opportunities to learn about different technologies, to pivot in certain cases. And some people are doing charity work. Some people are doing podcasts. Some people are recording material and being creative. But most of all, for me, the show has just been an uplifting thing to look forward to every week. And I get to learn from so many amazing musicians and ask the questions that I've always wanted to ask in in certain cases. You guys have probably heard me talk about this, but as you know, live music is in a lot of trouble right now. Venues are closing. Musicians are having to quit playing music. Our crews are out of work. And time is running out to do this final push to Congress to get the Save Our Stages Act and the Restart Act passed. You can support by going to SaveOurStages.com and signing that petition now. I also want to give a shout out to Headcount.org. I want to urge all my listeners to get out and vote. We need change right now and we need our voices to be heard. If you have any questions about voting during COVID times or how to get your vote in from wherever you are, go to headcount.org. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to Osiris Media. They helped me put this podcast together and they've got a lot of great content. There's a brand new podcast from my good friend Oteil Burbridge called Comes a Time that just released. I know they've already had Bob Weir and Melvin Seals on the show, so I urge you guys to check that out and go to osirispod.com. So I have a really special guest on the show today, Mr. Dominic Lolly. He's an incredible saxophonist and songwriter and, and jazz musician, but many of you probably know him from his group Big Gigantic, which is kind of a fusion of a lot of different things, but mostly known in the EDM world. He's a producer and electronic musician, but he plays saxophone and keyboards and he's an arranger. Um, I've played on various tracks over the years and you know their music's been used for so many different things like apple commercials they headline huge festivals and uh he's also another artist we've had a few artists on the show where i've known them kind of since their beginnings and you know dominic's a guy that i I played with back in the day he played with a group called the motet and he and i collaborated with george porter man i don't know 15 years ago i want to say um, for a show, it was actually a benefit show in Boulder, and there's a lot of great musicians on that gig, and that's where he and I connected for the first time. And he actually brought me back to his studio uh, along with Alex Botwin, shout out to Alex B, Paper Diamond, and Adam Deitch, and kind of started breaking down Ableton Live to me, which is a program we use to, to produce music and record music, and it really kind of changed my life to be honest, and he was in the beginnings of creating Big Gigantic, and I remember him showing me some artwork from the concept, and it was like from their very beginnings, the first shows, and he and Jeremy Salkin, who's also a good friend of mine and great drummer, were starting this new group, and I got to watch it literally start 
And I remember a couple years later, I saw them at the Bowery Ballroom and they had this crazy production with these cubes and it looked like Cubert and the people knew all the songs and they were singing along and and uh, it was just so cool to watch that progression happen and I've stayed, stayed friends with him all along and whenever I have a question about Ableton, he will help me out. He showed me how to screen share back in the day and he used to actually walk me through shortcuts and things like that. So I've learned a lot from Dom and it's been really cool watching Big Gigantic take off and do their thing. But as they've grown, Big Gigantic has also decided to give back to their community and they've actually created a foundation called a Big Gigantic Difference where they're raising money for music and art programs which have been disappearing from Colorado schools. They've teamed up with an organization called Youth on Record which provides music classes of all types for Colorado students who don't have access to music at their schools and they've put together a computer recording lab offering equipment and resources for young music makers to hone their craft. I've always really looked up to Dom because he was able to kind of marry these worlds together of production and beat making and playing, which is always something I've kind of struggled with. I always made beats and was into production, but I sometimes struggle with the ability to put these different things together. And he has created a sound with Big Gigantic that incorporates his saxophone playing in his harmonic knowledge with his beat making and his production skills and his arranging skills. And they've also collaborated with a lot of great artists like the rapper Logic. They have great songs with Jen Hartswick. I always love when they collaborate with her. And they also put a lot into their stage production and put on a really incredible show. I urge you to go check out some videos on YouTube. There's two performances that I suggest you check out. One is the Coachella performance with the Shadow Hills High School Marching Band. And then there's another one from Red Rocks where they bring out the Eagle Crest Marching Band. And that one actually has a little mini documentary kind of showing their quick rise to success and their ability to collaborate with these kids. It's really, really cool. So this interview was actually done back in February um, at my studio here and we were working on some tracks together. It feels like a million years ago and so many things have happened between now and, and then. But one thing in particular is that Dominic has actually released his jazz album that we speak of in the interview. It's under the name Dominic Lally's Bluebird Quintet and the album is called A Blind Man's Blue. Before we get into the interview, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. All right, let's get into it. A great saxophonist, a producer, an arranger, and a really good friend of mine. Today's plus one, Mr. Dominic Lolly. Dom, it's good to have you here, my man. Great to be here, man. And we are in Los Angeles currently at my studio, at Field Music Studios. And uh, yeah, it's great to have my good friend, Dominic Lolly here. And uh, we've been working on some music. And we've we've made a few songs over the years. I've yeah. played on some things. Yep, yep. Recently, we just did a gig in Denver that was really fun with Mono Neon, Sput, and Neil mm -hmm. Evans. Yeah. And Dom was a, a special guest. <laughs> Last second kind of reeled him in. But, uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, um, Dom is kind of the, the brains behind Big Gigantic and also a great saxophone player who actually recently put out 
a killer jazz album. That's that's out there in the world, right? It's not out. out oh, it's out, not out. Yet. But um, but I have I've to hear I it. have uh, I have like all the stems, and I'm just like remixing it and Got kind it. of mastering it again. So sometime soon, I always say like soon, um, but I really need to dive in. I have about half of it finished, but okay, I just cool. kind of I added a little a little spiciness to the mix, nice, um, nice. to make it you know, sound more how I hear it today. Right. Um, but yeah, some amazing players on it. Uh, Rudy Royston, uh, drummer from Denver, but who's played, who's played with, who's playing with like everybody right now. Uh, Ron Miles, uh, trumpet player from Denver. Who's oh, like yeah. jo- Josh Redmond stuff. Yeah. He's on a bunch. He's he, there. He's amazing. Uh, Greg Gisbert, another trumpet player on it. Um, some other local, uh, Denver guys, but, but it's a sick album, but I recorded cool. it like, 10 years ago i remember oh, hearing plus. it i was gonna say that was like maybe a decade yeah. ago that you played me it and i have to say like i was blown away i mean i've always known you were a great saxophone player but i've also like you know known you for making beats and producing yeah. and all that so to hear that level of playing yeah. on a record and the compositions were just yeah my killer. jazz stuff is like probably some sort of a mix between like Branford and Josh Redman Mark yeah. Turner like those kind of guys you know all modern modern players all like a lot of odd time stuff yeah. um, and then I would take some standards and like totally screw up uh, the time like it was just it was some fun stuff to play over but really like pretty oh. heady yeah, pretty heady jazz. No, stuff. I know. I was I was blown away because I was thinking it might be like some more funk kind of groove stuff with yeah. some jazz. Yeah, tendencies, yeah, mo- but it's it's a jazz record. The motet was the fir- my first ever like. Yeah. this is funk. Like right. I didn't know what funk is except except actually in high school my my buddy was way into Tower of Power, so yeah. he was like hitting me. He was hitting me with like the 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 live back to Oakland twenty minute let yep. me pick it solo, and I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah. Actually, Zoidis Ryan Zoidis hipped me yeah. to that when we were in high school. Yeah, that was a big moment when they <laughs> when him and Deitch were all into like Earth, Wind, and Fire, Tower of Power, Dude. and the Tower of Power thing. For some reason, I hadn't heard it. I grew up Man. listening to it's a lot of soul music, but for some reason, Tower of Power was not in my dad's record collection. Yeah, um, which is strange because he lived in the Bay Area and stuff. He it turns out he knew Tower of Power, but it just wasn't like wasn't it was, his thing. It wasn't like so I had never heard it until yeah. I met Zoidis, and yeah. I was super into funk like, yeah but i'd mostly heard like james brown and i'd say like stevie wonder was like the gateway from like soul into like oh like okay funk yeah. music and then right. james brown you know obviously yeah but um yeah man so you when did you start playing saxophone was this uh pretty much just kind of uh you know in school you know it was like sixth yeah. grade and my mom said you know here's this little i remember it was like a blue or a pink little sheet you know and x if you want to uh you know x if, if you want to do you want to play an instrument i was like yeah right. i could play an instrument i i i was gonna i was playing piano when i was young um right, but right. i i you know i gave that up i hated that but um then I was like, cool, I want to play sax. So yeah, I just started in band and everything. And then I just cool. I just got into it. I started taking lessons. Some of my buddies, yeah, were playing me some like Tower of Power, different stuff in high school. And I was like, okay, this is actually dope. And uh, then I started taking lessons and then I got a scholarship, you know, f- for school. And so that was kind of like, all right, I'm going to be serious about that. And, you know, and that kind of, when I, when I got to college and started like hanging around a bunch of other musicians and sax players who, you know, were just doing that and showing me stuff, I was like, oh man, I've, I like fell in love. And and it was like, I had a moment where I was like, you know, 
I'm never turning back. Like call my mom. I was like, look, like, you know, you told me I had a law degree, all this nonsense. I was like, hell no. Like I, there's no way. Like, you know, was there a, was there like a performance or an album or an artist that like really kind of lit you up and where you were like, okay, this is what I want to do now. I would say, I would say John Coltrane. Definitely. It was like, definitely my moment was like, I was like listening to some train and it was like getting D and I was like, I mean, this is like, you know, this is my church. This is like, you know, this is everything to me. So that, that was definitely, that was definitely my big, big moment was some, some train stuff that got me, got me deep into it. Yeah. I actually had a moment in college. Well, I mean, I was super into Coltrane too. That was kind of what, what really opened me up into jazz. Like I remember my first record was Miles Davis kind of blue, which is like kind of a lot of people's entrance. Sure. And then you, from there follow Coltrane or, or Adderley, you know, all the guys on that record are like the best of the best. Bill Evans. So, uh, I went down a Coltrane a rabbit hole and yeah. actually picked up saxophone for a little while. You did? No I shit. Did. Wow, it was I one of Zoidis's old, wow. back to Ryan Zoidis. That's dope. He had an old, like, bent up tenor saxophone. That's and, crazy uh, you guys have known each other for that long. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's crazy. We all met, the whole Lettuce crew met in high school. We went to the five week program at Berkeley College of Music. That's so dope. And, man. uh, you know, I kind of brought like some of the like hippie stuff to the table. And, <laughs> you guys you know, are like, you guys, you're like, here's a bunch of weed and mushrooms. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Like, so oh, I was okay. into like psychedelic. <laughs> I mean, it started out with it was like Hendrix and Zeppelin, but you know, yeah. the Dead was in there. Yeah. You know, they were Deitch was like Earth, Wind, and Fire. But we all loved like James Brown. We yeah. all loved Herbie Hancock. That yeah, was the cross section was yeah. Herbie and the, yeah, like, the Headhunters album totally. and the Thrust album was yeah. our Bible. That was definitely when I started, yeah, playing like funkier stuff or whatever, anything like like that that I was like, okay, like Herbie is this is my shit. That was right it for here. me. Yeah. Wawa Watson. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Benny all that Moppin. stuff. All those players on those mm. records. The VSOP record. Mm, yeah, mean, Benny Moppin, oof. man. What yeah. a yeah. What an incredible player. I feel yeah. like he's an unsung hero. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he he defined, like, I think when people play that music, they're like, how would Benny Maupin play over right. that? You know what I and mean? And the wah-wah, like, the way yeah. he would. Because you can't so do expressive. your usual shit over, over that Herbie stuff. It's like, you know, I mean, you, no, you can, but, like, you know, it's it's like a thing. Yeah, and he wasn't playing tons of notes. He was just super soulful, but yeah. like also very melodic, and his harmony was like yeah. amazing. I mean, he was he had all of yep. it. and fun, and he was funky. I mean, yeah. and we and he like down to get weird, which yeah. I'm pretty sure all those guys were like yeah. trying to get weird. Oh, definitely. And I'm sure there was some substances <laughs> helping yeah. Uh, yeah. helping that happen. <laughs> cool. So, when did you start messing with electronic music, and when did you start? getting into Ableton. I got to just tell a quick side story even before is that my first experience like with Ableton live for those of you don't know is kind of like the brain behind the the software we use in a lot of production music, a lot of electronic music. Wouldn't you say that's kind of the main thing people use? A lot of people. I mean, there's different, different ones, but everyone's using that. And Dom, many years ago we were doing a show together. It was with George Porter, right? And you were playing saxophone (laughs) and our, and uh, Alex B who's now paper diamond and myself and Adam Deitch, 
all, you know, because Adam and I were making beats a lot, but yeah. we were kind of old school in our method. You know, right. we had like the MPC and right. we had, and I was always like, oh man, if I could use just my computer right. and you started talking all this stuff yeah. and I was like, what? And then we all went to a studio and you started using Ableton and Alex B was playing me beats and you guys like kind of blew my mind yeah. that night yeah. really as far right. as like what you could do yeah. with Ableton. Um, so I've been, wa- I've been wanting to get to this question. It's like, yeah. how did you get into that? And then. You know, I'm curious just what sparked the whole idea for Big Gigantic and yeah. kind of meshing this yeah. like saxophone, you know, yeah. like your the jazz stuff and electronic music. Yeah. So I think, you know, really the the thing powering it all was writing. You know, I'm like when I when I had my, you know, master's recital at Manhattan School of Music, you know, I was like I wanted to have some amazing compositions, you know, and so that, that was my thing. And, and so then I joined the motet, you know, I finished school, joined the motet. And then we started doing like, well, then I heard Bjork, I heard, uh, fucking, um, homogenic and, um, and, uh, the album before that, I can't, I can't remember what it is, but that was like, that got me into like, okay, wow, there's this creative music out there that's that's um you know electronic and it's really like vibey it's cool i was i got like i got like obsessive with that stuff yeah. uh vespertine was the other album yeah that that's really that one i heavy. remember we used to listen to that one dude and, and on still road, I, so I like redig those up every few years and i'm like my eyes are like oh that record God. the production and the her idea i mean it's, she's a genius she's, for she's sure. a genius all those people but anyways so um yeah so i joined the motet and then we were playing a bunch of Afrobeat. And then um, we were starting to mix electronic sounds over the Afrobeat. And then we were like writing, doing different writing stuff. So like going back to it, writing was the big thing for me. And then I met Alex Botwin, Paper Diamond, who we're talking about. And, um, you know, and at that point I was writing jazz or, you know, funk. I was practicing six, eight hours a day. I was like playing, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, Alex, I met Alex and he's like, yeah, I just, I wake up and I just like make beats all day. I was like, yeah, that's what I do on the sax. I just like play sax all day. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, like, you know, come over or whatever. And then, yeah, we kind of linked up and I just, I was like playing some stuff for him. You know, I play some keys, play some stuff over his beats. And I was like, all right, cool. I need to get a computer. And, and that was kind of it. I was like, look, like I want to write. I want, you know, I love being a player, you know, that's, I love that. But like writing is something that resonates with me because I, it's like I can write songs and they'll be there. Yeah. They'll be there. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it translates to people and like, there's yeah. no feeling, and right? I love like fun. And I love fun in music and I'm just playing and just having fun and, and like enjoying it. You know what I mean? And with dance music and stuff like that, I was like, man, these people are just like enjoying it, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And if I'm giving hundred percent, like they're like, going, they're responding to that. And I was like, that felt good, you know, to me, it, you know, after playing so much like heady music for like years and years and really like, you know, just, I don't know, you know, being in that mindset, you yeah. know, to just kind of like, Hey man, like, let's just have fun, you know what for I mean? Sure. Right. And just play some shows. And then all of a sudden we're like selling out Red Rocks and I'm just like, this is insane. Yeah. Talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Cause I remember when you guys were starting, in fact, I think 
that week when we were hanging out, we were rehearsing for those shows, and mm-hmm. I came by the studio. Yeah, you had showed me like a flyer, I think, for some of the yeah. first gigs, or maybe yeah. it was the first gigs. Yeah, and uh, it seems like within a year or two, you guys were headlining big shows, and then yeah. Red Rocks was what five years after that, maybe? Yeah, or? something like yeah. It no, was a pretty was quick rise. Three years three, I mean, after, that's crazy. Something like that. You know, we were kind of like, all right, if we can sell out the Fox Theater in Boulder, you know, six hundred cap. Like, dude, yeah, I could, I'll die yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And like, man, it just, it was like, I don't know, it's like chess moves all the way there. And then we got there, and then it's just like, and then this is about to be our, t- our like, we played it a couple years before um, opening up, right. and but this next, this year coming up is our ninth, so next year is gonna be our tenth. Year at wow. Red Rocks, it's like, and now you guys do two nights or three. We nights? do two nights. We've been two doing nights. two nights Crazy. since probably this is about our going to be our sixth or seventh two Amazing. nights. Yeah. <laughs> and for those of you guys that have never seen Big Gigantic, especially at Red Rocks, I mean the production yeah. is over the top. Like I, yeah. I've seen videos, and it's like what 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 kind of planning goes into a show like that? You guys work on it for six months or a something good, or? a good amount yeah for sure but uh what we've been doing lately is we're doing these 3d shows wow. so where it's like you you know when you roll into the movie theater and then you get your glasses like we give you glasses you come wow. in and you know ten thousand people and and this content and it works as it's especially sick at red rocks because because of the depth and the angle and all that kind of stuff like it just like the further back you are like the the more it like comes out at you and stuff like that. So, you know, we work, we're working, we've been working on it almost straight off, straight off the last, the last one, you know. That's so cool that you kind of can come up with ideas every year and fine tune this and add this. And that must be really exciting. I mean, and then playing your songs in front of 10,000 people and having them like scream back the hook and stuff like that must be. It's way fun. It's it's a rush, right? Yeah, no doubt. And so you guys, as far as the writing and all that, I mean, there's a lot of collaborating going Mm -hmm. on with different artists, right? Yep. how did how did you kind of develop that? Are you are you traveling and meeting up with different people? And yeah, a little bit. Yeah, doing that more. Sending you know, things like, back and forth too. Yep, sending things back and forth. It happens a lot of different ways. Um, like on our last album, um, you know, it was like yeah, I flew out to New York um, and uh, and I had this beat. I had this beat. I met Logic. I played it for him. Like he was like, "Yo, give me. I want that beat." Then I flew to New York and met this girl who made these lyrics. And then I came back to Logic here in L.A. Yeah, and he, you know, he recorded the whole verse. So you know Crazy. that kind of stuff. And then it was other stuff. Like I wrote the whole song. I even wrote the lyrics and the melody. And I had Jen Hartswick, you know, yeah. a good friend, yeah. who's an incredible singer. I had her just come to the crib while she was in town and 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 knock that out and just I did it and I and I did that whole album in my you know in my basement I mixed it mastered it that's amazing did all that all that stuff Um, would you say I mean it's probably could I'm gonna guess it's Red Rocks but would you be able to kind of point out a moment in your in your career in your kind of path making music Mm -hmm. that kind of where that kind of represented like a new benchmark or a kind of a turning point yeah. for you? Yeah, I would say, I would say, yeah, definitely Red Rocks. It's just, it's, it feels too normal to play there. It's like yeah. too weird. It's like, yeah, definitely like a Red Rocks moment or like we had this um, kind of early on at camp, we had a Camp Bisco show yeah, and it was like, um, 
this was pretty, this was 2011, 10 or 11 probably. And, uh, and we had a Camp Bisco, we were daytime set, you know, it was when they set the two main stages up next to each, right next to each other. So we were playing and Wu-Tang was supposed to be playing after us, you know, and you know, we're in up, we're in upstate New York and shit. I mean, people were like trying to see Wu-Tang and just no Wu-Tang, you know, they were late. And so they just kept going, yo, just keep playing. Let's keep playing, man. I was like, all right, I'll keep playing. Play three more songs. Like, all right, we're done. Thanks so much. Keep, keep playing. Can you play a couple more? All right, keep on playing. Yeah. And just more people came. More people were coming. Right. Went, wanted to see Wu Tang, and we were just like playing. Kept playing our. You know, this is early on, so a lot of hip hop, just yeah. electronic stuff, and um, and you know that was like we are. We had some booking agents that were there seeing us. They wanted to sign us. I mean, I feel like everything kind of turned the corner after that. Yeah, yeah. That one festival. And um, thanks, yeah. thank you to Wu Tang for being late that day. <laughs> so that we Shout could out to Wu Tang for being late. We could keep playing. That's funny. Well, and, it's funny how like sometimes it's it's not necessarily a gig that you know is the one is going to be the one, but it's like an kind of. a a culmination of all these things building up and then you never know you never know which gig could be the one i mean it, yeah. of course the big festival yeah. shows you think are going to be these yeah like iconic moments yeah but um yeah and you guys have a you have a a single that just dropped like single today, that right? just dropped uh yeah or a couple uh, days today ago. Yep, yeah today and uh we have a new album coming out february 28th um and it's called free your mind and uh you know it's just uh you know we we always like to take kind of like our our albums and make like con, you know concepts sort of out of out of them you know somewhere we can lead uh an idea you know that can that our fans and different people can latch on to and and free your mind i think you know we kind of you know thought like what does that mean and and um you know how how do you how do you free your mind how do you get to that point and i think some of the singles we've dropped we've dropped about we dropped i think this is our fifth single but it kind of starts the the music starts you know a little darker inward you know and then sort of like becomes gets more outward more fun you know bigger and stuff like that but we want to take a concept of like you know how you know how how do you free your mind well you have to like go inside and like be accepting of yourself um you know you have to like be able to love yourself you have to be able to before you can love other people you know before you can love your friends uh etc etc so we kept developing this idea and then you know turned it into you know the whole album concept for your mind so anyways um 13 songs um lots more like song orientated stuff on this um album and and that's what i I want you know it's all about trying something different you know and um super proud of a bunch of these songs and uh super stoked the way they came out on february 28th it's coming out i can't wait to hear the rest of it yeah that sync the one you played me today that just came out is a banger yeah thanks bro so I definitely recommend everyone check that out. Um, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about the charity that you guys started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you explain a little bit of, of what that is? Yeah, uh, big gigantic difference. And uh, you know, we just we've since the beginning we've just always tried to give back. We always said, me and Jeremy have always said, look, like you know, if anything good ever happens with us, we're going to give back. And uh, we've done that in various ways, uh, giving like a dollar a ticket, you know, for a tour, things like that. Um, or we'll set up a project. Um, you know, we've worked with Conscious Alliance. It's a Denver friends of ours, and they go um, like 
basically like feeding homeless, feeding um, people up on the native reservations in like uh, North and South Dakota. And so, um, you know, we work with them. Uh, they're great friends. They're a great charity. And then we've worked with um, a school in Denver that uh, is like a, a music, sort of like a school of rock sort of situation, but we help get them computers. Um, so they can, they have like a recording studio in there oh, so they can, killer, like, the kids yeah. can like record stuff. Then they can put it on their computers and like make beats and stuff like that. Um, we've worked with uh, a foundation in new Orleans. Um, so, you know, just basically trying to give back, uh, as much as we can, um, you know, because why not? I know I mean, we get to make music. To, yeah. We get to make music for a living. Yeah. I feel like it's sometimes kinda... when we go out on tour, we um, we'll have you know we have like little G's they're called. Yeah, yeah. And um, and they'll sign up, and we'll go do projects. Like we were in like Dallas, and we went and like cleaned up trash on this river for like four hours, and wow. like hung out with them and got like got lunch, you know. But like stuff like that, you know, it's like no Man, one that's wants to inspiring, do inspiring because I feel like more of us should be doing yeah, it. Yeah, you, know, you know, more of like when we're out on the road and. Um, it's tough when you're out on the road, it but, is. but you know, every once in a while, you, you know, we, yeah, just different stuff like that. You know, just it, 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 when you're done, you're like, Oh, I'm tired. But then you're done. You're like, man, like, I feel so good that I yeah. did that, you know? And also getting, you know, instruments and, and accessibility to computers and yeah. stuff for people that want to make music as yeah. kids. Cause I feel like music education is getting pushed out of schools definitely. and it's definitely not going to help the future of what we do. You know what yeah. I mean? No, it wasn't like that back in the day. I mean, we had, there was, it was like a thing, like it was cool to like do that kind of stuff. And now, yeah, it's like, I remember, I remember at one point when I was getting out of school, it was like, yeah, like no one cares about this and they're just ditching these programs. And it seems like it, the trend has still been happening, unfortunately. Yeah. But you know, I feel like artists like you guys being out there and kind of spreading the word and inspiring other artists to yeah. do the same. I think that's huge, man. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for doing this. Yes, sir. And thank you. Uh, hopefully, some of the music we worked on today will get out there, and, no doubt. and some of you guys can hear what we've been cooking up. No doubt. But uh, once again, Dominic Lolly from Big Gigantic, and uh, hopefully, we'll we'll talk again soon, man. Definitely. We'll get you man. Thanks, Kraz. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. Yeah. I want to thank Dominic Lolly for being on the show. Always good to catch up with him and make music with him. Be sure to go check out his new album, and we're actually going to play the title track right now called A Blind Man's Blues.
Eric Krasno Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, under the artist name Kraz. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email krazplus1 at gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.